Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me on location here in Nashville, my guest is an Australian singer-songwriter who is currently here recording his second record for Universal Music, working with producer Matt Sherrod. Last October, Rolling Stone said that my guest, quote, breathes fresh and strikingly vivid life into the umbrous bush of traditional Australian balladry, end quote. This year, he has performed on both coasts of Canada and put out a 7-inch vinyl release and digital single. He has also performed with the Beach Boys and the Temptations. You've been hearing a song of his entitled Jesus Blues. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, William Crichton. It's lovely to be here. Hello, listeners. William, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you Uh, so much for taking the interest. Yeah, up until now, we had had guests on this show from eight different countries, but you were the first from Australia, so let's make it nine countries now. I'm honored. (laughs) Congrats on being the first Aussie on NHTE. (laughs) Let's start off by having you talk about the song that was just playing, Jesus Blues. Jesus Blues, well, it was a part of my first record, and uh, which I wrote in a place called Burrunjuk, which is a place situated in the middle of the bush at the top of the Murrumbidgee River and uh, I'd spent a lot of my time growing up and travelling around and uh, you know I didn't get a a real chance to reflect on my upbringing uh, until then, until I moved out there and I grew up quite religious. My grandmother used to take me to church and you know we used to sit there and and listen to the beautiful hymns being played and, 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 and this old lady would play the organ and the pastor would come on and tell us what we were, you know, what we were doing wrong with our lives and how we could better get away with it. But, you know, and, and, and so that, that Christianity was instilled in me as a kid, you know, and it puts a frame on you and there's not, you know, and there's a lot of good things about that, you know, the universal love, that message. But the actual, the limitations of it, uh, you don't really notice until you decide to dive in and analyse them. And Jesus Blues was that, that process for me that, that's what that song was about was just diving into my upbringing figuring out what about that I wanted to take forward with me and what, what I wanted to leave behind Was that just a case of I'm a songwriter and I'm always looking for ideas or was there some specific something that occurred that made you want to dive specifically into that? Well I just think I needed to I think it's essential that we do as human beings as we grow is to question our fundamental beliefs and how did we come to form them because you know, otherwise we just keep meandering through life, not questioning anything, you know, and then some things just started not to add up for me, and songwriting for me is an exploration of my life, and and, and things that I see, I don't, I never sit down and say, oh, I'm, I need a song, I need to sit down and write, I'm always, I, you know, I, I need to be called by that song to write it, and I think that that process uh, of revisiting those Christian upbringing, that Christian upbringing was just that, I was doing it anyway, you know. I just sat down and the song started to come. Jesus got the blues and I'm about to lose. You know. So I, lo- I love that expression that you used. I have to be called by that song to write it. I, li- I like that. This is how it works. Well, um, do you happen to remember by any chance where you were when this was that that you wrote the song? Because obviously you didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I shouldn't put words in your mouth. You didn't sit down and write it all at once. But do you kind of can you visualize when and where you were when this all took place, putting that song together? It was a definite process, you know. I was living in a little fibro house uh, that was built when this. Let me give you a bit of context. It was at the top of this, the, the river is dammed, and when they were damming the river in the early you 
1914, 1915, around that time, they built these houses and we were living in one of them. Uh, and my friend who lived a few miles up the road, um, we'd go wood carting. We'd go up into the forest and, and chop wood and, and come down and sell it at the shop. And uh, it was just over that time, you know, I'd spent a lot of time out there alone in the bush, kind of just taking it in, thinking about things, you know. It's sort of solitude enables that sort of thinking. You don't have a phone, phones don't work. You know, you don't have anything to distract you. So you're just there to be your immediate action, you're cutting the wood and then whatever's going on in your mind. So that's, I guess, that was the catalyst of the song. I was just thinking, well, all of this and here I am and, you know, there's so much more to life. Yeah, it's a great environment for being reflective Absolutely. because of what you just described. Let's set the stage here for the listeners. We are actually sitting at Boneyard Recordings. Listeners, I said that William and I are here together in Nashville. I had mentioned in the intro that you're here in the States working on your second record for Universal Music with Matt Sherrod as producer. Listeners, you should know Matt's name from both this show, meaning my guest on episode 104 of NHTE. So go back and listen to that interview and hear Matt talk about Boneyard Recordings, among a lot of other topics that we covered. And you should know him as the drummer for Crowded House. So, William, the first question is, how did you, being based in Australia, get connected with Matt? Well, that's a good question. I used to live in Nashville, and uh, I, had a, I had met a mate called David Labrouere, who's a bass player. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He's originally from Georgia, but he moved up to Nashville. And uh, it was Matt's, uh, it was Kelly, who was Matt's wife. It was her 30th birthday. Mm -hmm. And David said, uh, oh, you should come along. You should ride along, and uh, I think you'll like these people. And, and that's when it was. I walked in there, and there was Matt and Kel, and we sat down and had a drink, and, you know, it was good. And okay, so that, so that would have been about six years ago. Yeah, okay, as I say, two questions were popping into my mind. One was, was when was that? Six years ago, you say. But so then you were living in Nashville when that happened, but then how had you come to Nashville in the first place? Again, being Australian. Yeah, well, I lived uh, I lived in the States for a while, a few years. I lived in L.A., and, and my wife and I did a lot of travel here. We lived in, a, in an RV. We bought an old 1979 model RV and traveled around America. And, uh, you know, I always played music. So at that point, I was on a, on a music visa, and I was playing little cafe okay. shows and whatnot and just... Uh, you know, taking it all in, learning a lot of, lot of lessons, meeting a lot of people. So you had deliberately left Australia to come to the States to play music? Somewhat, yeah. You know, I met a... It was a little bit more complicated than that. I met a fella from New York. Uh, I was in China, uh, in, in Beijing, and he... I never really thought about coming to America before. I just ended up in China, and, and he was working on a movie there, and he said, you know, you should come over and visit me in New York sometime. So I did that, and I just... You know, I, for that stage of my life, I fell in love with America. I, I loved the, the uh, how polarized it was. I liked uh, everything in, and everything in between. And there was so much, you know, uh, so many things to do, so many bright lights. And so I was drawn to that. And, and yes, yeah, so I put things in process and, and did the, filled out the paperwork, which took quite a long time to get a visa and then ended up coming. So. I must say that I don't know that I've actually ever heard of a music... Is it a music visa or a musician visa? It's an O-1 visa. So it's, a, it's called... Uh, its name is a little bit presumptuous and perhaps not, not correct, but it's the artist of, uh, artist of extraordinary... Uh, alien of extraordinary ability or something like that. Alien of some... <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel special? It does, yeah. You know, <laughs> extraordinary ability. Something like that or some... Uh, Something, I forget the actual name of it. We've then. never heard you perform, but if you can fill this That's out... That's right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, all the rings you jump through, too, you know. You, you, they need to know everything about your family history. Every, you know, all of you, get all the fingerprints. And uh, and that's cool, because, you know, there is, uh, there's that. And, uh, and I ended up coming, so it was fine. And I renewed that three times. Um, ah. So I have a good, good knowledge of America, and, and, and I like spending time here. But for the record, the guy that you met in Beijing that you went to see in New York, you had no connection to the film project that he was doing. He was just kind of your gateway to the United yeah, States. Yeah, so absolutely. To speak. Yeah, he was a. That's right. I had no connection to the film, although I did know a few of the cast, and uh, and so I was introduced to James. He's a makeup artist, and, and uh, he was working on that. And he's also a writer and a poet, and he does a bunch of things. 
but uh, through that, yeah, he opened that gateway for me to come. I started writing a few uh, little music things for some of his short films. And, you know, okay, and I was going to say, you know, are you still in touch with him? But to be able to say everything about him that you just did, you already answered my question Absolutely. for me. Absolutely, he's one of my closest friends now. Yeah. Oh, awesome, awesome. Let's talk about the work that you and Matt are doing. Where in the process are you? What's the timeline? And, and for that matter, how did you get the deal with Universal Music? Well, it's, uh, it's ABC and Universal, uh, which is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And um, uh, I made a record down in Burrenjuk, the same place I just told you about. Um, with, you know, I'd go and chop the wood. We were living in that house. We set it up as a studio, and Matt actually flew out there. And uh, we set my house up and recorded it there. And then uh, this time, though, we, we came here, and uh, so we're working on my second album. And and how far along are you? Is Is there... A projected timeline for when it'll be complete those, those types of things I think a lot of it the bulk of it will be complete by the end of this week Wow uh, well, yeah you know and wow. then we will uh, I'll take it home and I'll do some things and I have my brother my brother's a great musician he'll play some bass on some things and I'll add some more things at home and my wife as well Julianne who who sings and plays percussion she'll add her touch to it and then we'll kind of march forward but uh, as in regards to the question with Universal I make the music and license it uh, to, to Universal so that's my connection with Matt was purely personal so do we know how many songs there will be this, this is obviously going to be a full length album it's not an EP that's right so we're, we're working on 12 or 13 and I think that we'll end up having you know, 9 or 10 on there whichever make the most sense so can you can you give an approximation of when listeners when the music might be to the to the for sale stage? It'll be for it'll be for sale uh, end of September. Ah, and okay. What one song will be, but the record won't be out until early next year. Ah, okay, okay. So on on a related note, why the decision to release your single earlier this year on seven inch vinyl? I love that. Well, that yeah. Well, you know that was uh, that was a thing. Matt was out there. We were doing a tour. <clears throat> And we just um, got together and up in this place in Byron Bay, and we didn't really plan anything. Just I had these songs, and we created something that just stood on its own, and it was the perfect length for a seven-inch. And so we thought, you know, that's the. It sounds like a. It should be on a on a vinyl because we had that intention when we made it, not really knowing what we we're going to do with it. Kind of just the intention of whatever happens happens, and. In the time of it suited a seven-inch vinyl, so there was no real foresight. It was yeah. just get in the studio and see what happened because yeah. we made the most of the opportunity of him being out there. There, there wasn't an elaborate marketing strategy no, or just, some kind of rationale no. of here's here's what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. Just, hey, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but are you are you at all caught up in this comeback that vinyl is making? I mean, you're sitting about three feet away from a shelf that's just completely filled with albums. Is, is is vinyl part of, of the William Crichton uh, music story? or? Absolutely. I grew up with vinyl, listening to vinyl, and I just think it sounds better. I just like it for whatever reason. You know, it's probably not as high quality as a, as a high-res file or, a, you know, some things that you can get or a CD even, but it's got a sound to it that is its own unique sound, and for some reason it, it moves me more than anything than when I listen to it. Uh, maybe that's because I grew up listening to voices through that format. You know, Johnny Cash or Tom Waits, whoever it was, listening to them. My parents play them. That's you know, they they sound good. And my wife is a Jules is a massive vinyl head. She'll always be playing vinyl in the morning, <laughs> Astral Weeks or whatever it is. Wow. Wake up and have a listen to that. It just sounds good. You feel like you're there and you feel like you're getting the core spirit of the song and the core spirit of the performance. You know, there's and that's special. Well, and there's always something to be said for something that you can hold in your hand as opposed to, I downloaded the new William Crichton album. Let me see it. Well, you can't see it. It's on the computer. Well, what do you mean? How do you, is it, you know, and so to have this physical something that's got some artwork to it beyond, you know, a, a, a one inch by one inch square. Right. And also with it, uh, which I quite like about it, is that if I do, if a fan will come up and I'll buy an album, like a, a vinyl, they take it home, they listen to it, they hate it. They can make a little beautiful, put it in the oven and make a bowl, <laughs> a chip bowl out of it. <laughs> so you're not, you can't let anyone down. 
<laughs> well, then, uh, then I have to go back to the previous question then and say, so when this new album is completed, yes. will you release it on vinyl? 100%, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, That's you didn't a, even have to think about that. No, it's, it'll <laughs> definitely be on vinyl. And so, so uh, educate me. How nowadays are artists deciding the quantity of LPs to press? Because some people will say, well, I'm going to do a limited edition. I'm only going to do 100. Other people will say, well, I want to sell as many as I can. So at least as it relates to you personally, how, how does one judge how many to order, how many to have pressed, as, as I said? Well, it's an interesting question because we dealt with that with this 7-inch. And I thought, you know, well, we'll limit it to 300 copies. That'll be it. We'll limit it to that. And they went like, they went very quickly. So we kind of thought we should have had a little more. But at the same time, that that's, you know, that's a limited edition and that's cool. Um, it's all just trying to figure out how many people are going to buy it, you know. So I just get a small run first, you know. And then if we sell out of that, buy more. You know, um, as far as the non-limited edition ones, like the every album I do won't be limited edition, but we'll have these little little seven inches along the way that will be. So. Mm-hmm. Listeners, uh, go back and check out episode one eighty one. My guest was Jerry Jean. He's from up in New York, and he spent a great deal of our conversation talking about the album that he put out on vinyl, and actually went real deep. Uh, talk about a deep dive in terms of. Uh, what it was recorded on in terms of um, the the whole manufacturing process. So uh, check out that conversation. In the meantime, I am on location here in Nashville, and all the way from Australia is my guest, singer-songwriter William Crichton. Check out his official website at williamcrichtonmusic.com.au. You will want to look at the title of this episode on your listening device for the proper spelling of his last name. Social media-wise, you will find William on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find his music on SoundCloud, but do purchase it on his website or from iTunes, all the usual online music retailers. Do follow William online as well, so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live and keep up with updates of the new album that he is currently talking with me about. If you're going to buy anything at all from Amazon, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would go to nhte.net and click on the tall Amazon banner to get there. They will give a small percentage of your purchase back to this podcast at no extra cost to you. If you love the show so much that you want to make a direct contribution, we have a Patreon campaign set up. It's patreon.com slash nhte, or just go to nhte.net, and there is a Patreon button there that you can click on to go directly over. There are some nice thank you rewards there as well. We also have a Facebook group where you can go and talk about this show. It's called NHTE Listeners. There's a button for that at nhte.net as well. If you want to write in just to say hello, what part of the world you're listening from, any comments, questions, things of that nature, the email address is podcast at nhte.net. Remember, you do not have to sit in front of your computer to listen to the show. You can take it on the go with you from iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio. There are icons to get to all of those at nhte.net. Do subscribe and tell a friend, and make sure you're engaging with us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. There are icons for all of those at nhte.net. William, how long will you stay here in Nashville, and uh, will there be other locations in the U.S. that you'll go to while you're here, or will you just head straight back to Australia from Nashville? I'm going to, I'm here for another week, and then I head back, straight back to uh, Australia. It was interesting because when I first, when I got here, I left from Sydney, so my wife dropped me off at the airport and then I flew over and Matt's wife, Kel, picked me up from, the, from Nashville. I drove here and we kind of, I haven't, we haven't really left the studio space, so I'm still in a little bit of a wow. mindset that I'm still in the Southern Hemisphere in a way. And so we drive out and I'm like, oh, I'm in America. <laughs> I see the, the driving on the other side of the road and the, and, uh, and the different styles of buildings and everything, so, you know. It's cool. What, what is what is the route to get here from your house to Matt's house in terms of you fly out of Sydney? Yeah, I drive I drive two and a half hours uh, south from the Hunter Valley to, to Kingsford Smith Airport, and then I jump on a plane, uh, fly to Dallas, and then fly from Dallas to Nashville. And then Sydney to Dallas? Yes, direct. And how long a flight is that? Uh, 15 or 16 hours. 15 or 16 yeah. days, wow, how about that? Hours. 15 or 16 yeah. days, amazing, that's a long flight. Days, yeah, 16 days. <laughs> it feels like it, right? <laughs> yeah, it does feel like it, it does, although, yeah, absolutely. 
you were you were telling me before we started recording that uh, probably what maybe the good first four or five days that you're here it takes to really kind of shake off the cobwebs and, and get over that that long flight exactly and it's a, and it's because it's a it's a flip as well so you know I'm waking up in the morning when I'm generally going to bed so it's a you know it takes a little while to get used to that and in the sink so you know you can operate but you're not operating on all cylinders well yeah because i was going to ask you knowing that you were coming here to record i mean that's nothing to fool around with so do you build into the trip look i'm going to come a few days earlier because i need those days to get over the jet lag so that i'm in a perfect frame of mind and i can focus on recording sure you definitely definitely try and stay a few more extra days than you need and, and was that the same case uh, I mentioned that you performed in Canada earlier this year? So is it kind of the same deal you leave? Did you did you go straight from Australia to uh, Canada? Yeah, no, that was com- that was a bit different because we had just literally come off the road doing a tour in Australia, and I jumped on the plane and uh, didn't stop because we went straight, uh, got straight to Canada, we did some things, then flew here. And flew back to Canada, and flew back here, flew back to Canada. But in other words, you you left Australia and and quote unquote went right to the stage. Yeah, in Canada. exactly. Did, exactly. Yeah, 100%. Didn't have time. We literally yeah. actually just made it. Got there about twenty minutes before. No kidding. <laughs> I'm tempted to ask you about an Australian coming to record in the U.S., uh, playing lots and lots of shows back in your home country, and performing in Canada as, as we're talking about. Meaning, what's that all like? But I'm 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 just really viewing it from an, an American perspective, right? Or, or is there a difference for you doing all that versus an American who goes and records in another country and then plays in a different country? I guess I can only speak for my for myself. I recorded my first record in Australia uh, with my crew. Matt came out. Um, this time, I decided to come over here. Uh, Matt, I like working with Matt and... Uh, just worked out that I could come over here and it's just a different vibe his place is a different vibe to what I have back home and uh, and what the sort of situation is I definitely um, will be recording bits of this album in Australia but you know it's just different here it's a different you know we have some fellows come in and and, uh, and play some music and and uh, it's just different musicians different um, different feelings attached to some of the things that they play and that, and that's that's good there's no there's no good or bad it's just different you know and, and I think uh, for me I don't um, the world is just one place to me so if you can just get get the vibe from wherever you're at you know you can come out and stand out here and you can listen to all the native birds and all the native insects and you can be very very inspired by standing on the ground and it's funny because I don't actually feel like I'm anywhere else, like I feel like there's no difference between putting my feet, my bare feet on the earth here in America as there is when I put my feet on the earth in Australia, it's that same, you get the same energy from it, you know, all the all the things that we create and, and construct as human beings that is artificial, they're ideas, you know, they work or they don't or they do, we're, we're just, we're all part of the earth, so if, if, if we take on that mindset, we're at home anywhere. Well, and you know, with this technological age that we're living in, it really is. So going back to my question, it's it's not that big a deal. Listeners, I'm shaking my head no as I'm looking at William. It's not that big a deal because with technology, and, and as we've heard on so many episodes of the show, people collaborating with people from other countries, but it's you being in Australia and coming and recording somewhat in the U.S. And, yeah, I went up and played in Canada, but, no, it's no big deal. It's just like if an American went and recorded in Sweden, and then he or she went and played some shows in France. It's, you know, this is the age that we're living in, and, and like you said, yes, technology-wise, that's where we are, but if you really boil it down to just core beliefs and ideas and actions, who cares where you're doing it? Exactly. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment, where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus, this one is just pure fundamentals, but when you are on stage, please make sure that you enunciate and speak slowly when you tell the audience your name every time. I saw someone performing in Nashville at a writer's night and was curious to look her up online, but all I could make out was her first name, 
which is not conducive to me or anyone else in the audience that has some interest in finding out more about her. Don't expect too many inquiries from your live performances if you're not stating your name clearly for those in attendance to look you up, and don't make and expect them to jump through hoops to find out. And that is today's Bruce's bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. William, I've been grateful to have gotten listeners from 127 countries around the world to this show. However, yes, the United States is ranked number one in terms of listenership. And I, I, I just wonder, for the sake of listeners everywhere but Australia, describe what the music scene is like back in your home country. What is the landscape for music there in 2017? It's an interesting landscape for music. There's, uh, we definitely have a, a, a good uh, base of musicians and, and musicians singing about where we are uh, in history as an Australian country, you know, and, and, as a, and having a world experience singing and performing music through the viewpoint of an Australian uh, you know, Ben Saltair is one that springs to mind. Gorowa definitely springs to mind. Um, it's There's definitely really cool stuff going on, a, on in Australia at the moment. And, you know, there's also stuff that isn't cool. You get that everywhere, you know. It's like, it's not, uh, not that it's not cool, but it's serving a different purpose, you know. You don't really put it on as so much as you hear it on the radio. But it's, um, you know, it's uh, it's like it's always been Australia. It's uh, It's a place of... How do you sum it up? I don't, I don't even know. Like, it's it's hardcore in one way, and in another way it's completely soft, like the landscape. You know, you, you liken it to a, a European settler who writes in his journal, it's a very, very hard place to live. It's a very harsh, uh, the sun's very hot, the ground's very hot, dry, lots of poisonous things to kill you. But then you'd speak to an Aborigine, and they say that's the softest place in the world. Mm. You can live, it'll feed you, it'll, it'll medicate you, it'll... You know, it will guide you through life. So I guess it's the same with the music. It's all how you look at it. And uh, Australia definitely has some good artists to check out, you know, and the, and the world does, you know. So I think that uh, in all my travels from on in the Northern Hemisphere the last few months, the band that I have seen that has really stuck out to me was a band called The Squirts. They're Australian. No, they're Canadian. Ah. They, yeah, they, uh, you know, I've, I went off on the Northern Hemisphere. I just, I heard them and they were like, geez, that's a, that's a cool man, the squirt. But uh, the Australian landscape is, it's anyone's guess, you know, there's some great stuff there, that's for sure. But for the working musician in Australia, does it seem as though there's plenty of work? Is it terribly competitive? Is it live music is, is going by the boards and it's really hard to get a, to make a decent buck you know playing a show out is it uh, festivals have really grown and, and they're and they're very prevalent yeah well there's a lot of festivals uh, you know we have the summer and the, and the, and the fall or autumn you can uh, you know you can definitely there's so many festivals there's a festival everywhere every town has a festival and there's, you know, musicians can stay very active. The folk scene's quite strong, so the country music scene's quite strong. Um, I think it's a hard. We only have 20 million people, and we have a, a land mass the size of the continental America. So it's mm. like, if you can imagine that, it's very, we're very sparse. So you know, um, it's definitely it's hard to make a living if you're, you know, if you're just out there bashing away. Um, making albums and, and putting it out there, but you know if you can inspire some folks and and, and and people actually take an interest and take a take heart what you're saying, then they'll come out and support you. You know it's like it's always been. This bloke called Slim Dusty, who was an Australian, I guess you'd liken him to somewhere between a uh, what's the bloke? somewhere between a Johnny Cash and a Tom T Hall, right in the mm. middle. 
Hmm. He had his darkness, but he definitely had his light. <laughs> and, and he would tour everywhere. He'd go to, into a town of 50 people and 400 people would show up. You know, he'd, wow. And he'd tour, around, <laughs> he'd tour around the country, and nobody has done it like that since. Uh, people do the major, the major centres, but no one has been able to actually go to every town in Australia and bring a massive crowd like he has. And like he did, he's, he's gone now. He, he put out 104 albums. Or something. Oh, boy, <laughs> oh boy. Quite the career. Boy, oh boy. But uh, yeah, you know, you'll have to come and check it out, Bruce, and listeners check it out. You know, Google Australian music and see what shows up. Twice so far I've heard you mention Johnny Cash's name, even though it wasn't a, a direct response to a question. So now I'm going to ask you, who did you grow up listening to? And then if the answer is different, who are your influences? They're the same. I mean, it's hard to separate them uh, in a way because there's so much that gets launched into your subconscious that you don't even know about, you know, uh, growing up listening to songs. I mainly listened to the radio, and my dad had a tape that he would play in the tractor when I used to ride along with him, in, and it would have Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and Hank Snow and a lot of American country artists, and it had Slim Dusty on it also. And uh, But, you know, I, and then as I grew... I started to really get into other things. Um, you know, I guess Neil Young's probably the, the, the most influential on me, not even reflective in the sound that I put out there, just in the mindset of just do what you feel comes naturally to you. You know, don't try and tick boxes for the sake of ticking them. Just play the music you want to play, and at least at some point, you know, throughout your life, you know, you've moved through life, at least you'll be happy if you're doing the stuff that you want to do. You mightn't always have all the money that you need, but if you if you stay true, I've found if you stay true and you do what you need to do with music, then you'll get by. You know, you might have a good year, you might have a not-so-good year. Good week, bad week. Good day, bad day. But I think that that's the key. Just stay true. Don't worry too much about what the market's doing. Just follow your own path. On a related note, who are you listening to these days? Ah, good question. Um, it's generally in the morning. My, I get up in the morning and my wife will have a record playing. She's I go to bed quite late. She gets up early and we <laughs> kind of... You know, sometimes it flips, but the uh, I go back and get into things that I should have already heard because I grew up only listening to the radio. So I've been on a kick listening to all things pretty much pre-1970. Late 1970s, wow. so, you know, uh, Astral Weeks has been my, I only discovered that album about two years ago, if you can believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea it existed. And so, David Axelrod, uh, Matt only just introduced me to. See, I've, I've, wow. I've uh, but I, I will say one thing about my music uh, listening, is that when I find something I like, I really delve into it, and I listen to it over and over and over. So, you know, I'm still, as far as modern bands go, what I'm listening to at the moment, uh, Ben Salter, I listen to a lot of him. He's an Australian artist. And uh, other bands, are The Lemon Twigs. I really like The Lemon Twigs. You know that band? Bruce? I don't. They're, they're a new band. They're brothers. They're pretty cool. Um, you know, anything, that, uh, anything that's out there, I'll, I'll give a listen to. But I'm still um, delving into that. You know, 70s era at the moment, getting in there with Astral Weeks. I kind of, it's taken me the last two years. I've listened to that nearly every day. Okay, well, let's let's hold that thought because I'm going to ask you a question that kind of ties in to what you do listen to. But first, I want to tell listeners, this is William Crichton that I'm sitting here with, singer-songwriter all the way from Australia. Do check out his official website, williamcrichtonmusic.com.au. As I said before, just look at the title up this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of his last name. Social media-wise, you will find William on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find his music on SoundCloud, but do purchase it. It's available for sale on his website, on iTunes, all the usual online music retailers. Do follow William online as well so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live and to keep up with news about his new album as he continues working towards the release of that and eventually another single. Remember to go to nhte.net for all of the following. The Amazon banner that you can click on to go over there, so they'll give a small kickback to this podcast. The Patreon button, so that you can contribute directly to Now Hear This Entertainment. The icon for our Facebook group, which is called NHTE Listeners. 
If you want to write in, the email address is podcast at nhte.net. Please do subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. It's available on a number of platforms, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. And make sure that you're engaging with us on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Links to all of those via their respective icons at nhte.net. So, William, with regards to who are you listening to, I want you to take us through your songwriting process, but I wonder when you really get into songwriting mode where you know I'm working on a new project now, do you really kind of shut down the music listening so that you're not influenced or in a distracted kind of way, or, or can you kind of do a healthy separation of the two? Uh, you know, definitely a healthy separation. I still like to listen to music when I'm working, you know, and when I'm creating music, recording it. I'll put it on as a bit of a break or I'll, you know, Matt's been showing me a bunch of new music that I hadn't really heard before and uh, so that's been good um, and I do the same to him, I have some stuff that he hasn't heard before and kind of compare notes but I, no, there's no blackout of music so to speak. But when you're talking about being here with Matt, is everything already written that's going to be on this, this new project or, or is some of it still a work in progress in terms of I've got this many songs but I want a few more to choose from? Well, that's a, I guess that's the main difference between this album uh, and the last record. The last record, uh, I had all of the songs already written before Matt and I kind of got together. This time has been more of a process of... I had a few songs, definitely had, uh, you know, a, a bulk of songs, and, and then, but a lot of songs as well, Matt and I have kind of worked up and traded ideas and written some songs, you know, because we're good mates, we can kind of connect on that level and we play together, we definitely have a vibe and we play together and uh, and I just love creating music with him, so that'll definitely, this record will have more of that flavour as well, you know, it'll be a slight, uh, you know, just more down the line, we're here at his place in, in Nashville, so we're kind of just seeing what comes of that, the same as we did when we were at Burrenjuk at my place and we decided we'd see what comes of, came of that and uh, you know I definitely uh, wish my brother could be here that would be awesome uh, and uh, and some of my other uh, my wife would be cool too you know it'd be great if all four of us could be here and uh, maybe next time that'll be the case but for this time no we've just been you know guitar these guitars and uh, that you can see and, and drums and different keyboards have been playing and, and just working working stuff out you know he's a he's a creative uh, very creative person and I get on with him well because he comes from it from the point of view is that we're not really we're doing this we're all together the music is for everybody and and it's a connection with whatever that is meant to be you know you speak to uh, you know the Aboriginal lesson about when you sing music when you perform music when you write music it's between you and the world and the people who are listening to the music are in the same boat as you are. We're all just in it together. There's no real us to you. It's more just this is us creating this thing, so we can all join in the in the in the bigger picture. It's a, it's a cliche, but it's an accurate one. It's a universal language. Absolutely, yeah. It's a universal language, and it's a universal expression. Because I know to reference that album again, Astral Weeks. When I hear those, you know, those first few lines, if I venture into the slipstream, the viaduct of your dreams, you know, like I feel immediately connected to that. Like he's, even though that was recorded before I was born, I feel like I am in that song, being expressed in that song because it is a, it is a part of humanity that is being expressed. Because really, we're all just manifestations of. You know, the, the male species is just a manifestation of male, female manifestation of female. It's like just these three and a half billion of each, you know, <laughs> the same thing. So if we really, we all feel the same things. We might have different ways we look at it. But, you know, we can always latch on to songs. And that's why song is, song is so important. And this communication is so important because it is us. It is, it is the human experience. It is what we are here doing. It goes far beyond... The, the instruments we use to record or whatever we're doing, it goes, it goes far deeper than that. It's a very, in, very, very internal uh, process. And then, you know, it's, it's everything. There's great, there's great power in music. Yeah, there is So power. you mentioned, uh, other, than, other than writing alone on your own time, you've mentioned Matt, you've mentioned maybe your brother. Is yes. there anybody else that you songwrite with or is it 
pretty much that small little group. My brother Matt and my wife Jules generally generally is who I songwrite with, and and the fellow who I mentioned to you, uh, who I met in Beijing, the ah. guy from New York, James. Okay. Yeah. So it's you know full circle. It's kind of uh, friends. Whoever I'm friends with, I generally even if they're not musicians, I end up writing a song with them because we end up having a chat about something that inspires a song. Nice, nice. You know? I like that. I mentioned back in the intro that you got the chance to perform with the Beach Boys and the Temptations. I did. Yeah, yeah I tell did. Us that about was that a strange experience. one that you you mentioned. That there's been so many gigs and you mentioned those ones, and it was interesting because uh, they were really cool gigs. Uh, you know, well the gigs themselves were interesting because I think that Mike Love was expecting a little bit more hospitality on the road than what he actually received. <laughs> but in saying that, him and Bruce were very nice people. I got to uh, spend some good moments with them. I'd read a lot of stories about uh, about Mike, and i got to say that he was a gentleman to me. And um, so I enjoyed that experience. You know, they're, they're an interesting band now, where they are right now. You know, if you compare... I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of integral parts that weren't in that show, you know, Brian Wilson wasn't there and whatnot, but it was still, you listen to them sing and you're like, geez, there's some, that's something real special there. You know, the Temptations as well, like they definitely, even though they mightn't have all of their original members, they definitely key in on something. Uh, it was interesting, like I was saying with the Beach Boys, it's definitely fused into somewhat of a, a uh, an American piece. Like it has, it definitely has, they have massive images of, it's a patriotic piece as well, as much as it is mm -hmm. a concert. It's like a, it's a brand for America, which is cool, you know, in, in a way. So that was interesting to see, that fusion of, uh, that, that fusion of those images and those, that, those songs. Yeah, if you weaved, or would it be wove, <laughs> the fabric of America, if you made, say, like a large quilt that... I'm sure the Beach Boys would be on that. Absolutely, you know, they would. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're kind of the fabric of, of, of what you're saying in terms of what they depict. These shows, by the way, for the listeners, uh, these were in Australia. They were in Australia. Yeah, yeah they were in Australia. Yeah. They did some. Uh, they did shows um, on the east coast, and they were quite big shows. They were well attended. People really, really, you know, really came out and supported the Beach Boys. And there was one. Uh, which is a testament to Mike and Bruce and, and those dudes, is that one of the concerts were, was rained out in a place called Wagga Wagga, and then they came back on their day off. Wow. They came back and did the show. Wow. So the people didn't miss out. They'd never seen the Beach Boys before, the people down there. They were so excited. It got rained out. Temptations went on stage. I went on stage. Temptation went on stage. Then this massive storm came over. It ruined the stage. It, mm. it was chaos. And so... Uh, but yeah, they came back and, and they, you know, they weren't, the people of Wagga Wagga were not going to miss out on the, on the Beach Boys, Mike Love said. So I'll take well, him at his word. Congratulations also on the Rolling Stone placement. Um, that's, uh, to me, that's, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, where do you go from there? That was very, uh, that was uh, unexpected and, and um, very nice of them to, to put something about me in their magazine. It's a very, um, very cool magazine. That particular issue... Uh, was one with Paul McCartney on the cover, so I felt that extra special. And how? And, and maybe he's somewhere doing an interview saying, William Crichton was in the same <laughs> issue that I was in. <laughs> Remains to be seen. <laughs> uh, we're going to close today with a song of yours entitled Happiness. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Well, this song is pretty self-explanatory. It's the first one that I wrote for this particular record that came about. And, uh, you know, the last album definitely explored a lot of themes that were on the darker side of my being. And I think that this... Uh, this one is exploring some more positive sides because, you know, there is light. And I think that that's an important thing and it's there for all of us to, um, to attain. And, uh, and I'm at the bottom of the mountain, but I'm trying to trek it, trek up. <laughs> and I think that this song is, uh, this song was kind of, you know, it's the, it's where I went after after Jesus Blues, so I felt like they were two songs that kind of went well together. And, and uh, happiness, the meaning of life is happiness. That's what I that's what I concluded. You're trying to trek up, and might I say, you're doing a fine job of it, my new friend. Thank you so much. Thank Appreciate you. Bruce. you. It's yeah, lovely to spend some time with you. No doubt, listeners. That will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. Many, many thanks to singer songwriter William Crichton. And a shout-out to Matt Sherrod for making this happen and letting us record at Boneyard Recordings. 
Visit William's official website at www.williamcrichtonmusic.com.au and engage with him on social media. So I'm going to pound my fist, darn it. That means like his Facebook page, follow him on Instagram, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like what he has posted on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Be sure to keep up with William online so you can see where and when you can go see him perform live. And of course, do purchase his music. It's available on his website, on iTunes, all online music retailers. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio 2, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and repost episodes is how you share on there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud. Engage with the show too. Go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the Facebook group. You can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net. Get with us on the various social media platforms that you'll find links to at nhte.net, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. And check out the t-shirts and hats at nhte.net as well. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by William Crichton. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Happiness. Well, hold on a second. We're actually not going to play Happiness After All, a very interesting development. Uh, This is actually a first, and surprised that it has taken all the way up to episode 189 of this show for this to occur. But I had recorded that interview with William Crichton back in July up in Nashville, as you heard, and the song Happiness just is still not ready. We actually had this interview scheduled to be released a few weeks ago and bumped it back to allow for more time so that happiness would be ready, and lo and behold, it's not. And so we wanted to go ahead and get this interview out anyways. So uh, this would actually make good fodder for a new podcast that I'm hosting called Tascam Talkback, which is a podcast for podcasters and streamers. Uh, How you react to it? Well, that's quite simple. In this case, William has provided a different song that we're going to play for you instead to close out this week's episode of NHTE. So instead, here is a song of his called Talking to God.
Stop for a greater glory, deceiver. 